Welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we'll be reading through all four books in the Inheritance Cycle series, chapter-by-chapter, page-by-page. We'll also offer our own insights, theories, and first impressions of the wonderful world of Allegasia. May good fortune rule over you, may the stars watch over you, and may peace live in your heart. Hello, and welcome to the Inheritance Cycle page-by-page podcast, where we talk about the Inheritance Cycle or Aragon books page-by-page and chapter-by-chapter. I'm one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm your other host, Shelby or Sheacup. And before we get started, I just want to remind you to please like and review us on Apple or Spotify. If you leave us some kind words... And a five-star review. We will read it out on a future episode of the show. You can also join us on Discord at the Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. You can find that link in the episode description. You can go to our website, cupspodcasting.com, and find it there. Come and hang out with us, talk about these books, talk about our other shows. It'll be a great time. I just want us before we talk, we are, after we talk about this chapter, we only have five chapters left to talk about in the whole book. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Is it that many? I thought it was less. So this is chapter 55. It's four. four. We have four more. We have Arya's Test, The Shadows Lengthen, Battle Under Farthender, and The Morning Sage. I thought there were 60 chapters in this book. Anyway, today is we are talking about the Hall of the Mountain King. And so Aragorn wakes up, he dons his sword after Saphira basically tells him to wear it because he's a rider and to not be afraid. He's greeted by Oric there on behalf of King Rothgar of the Dwarfs seeking his presence. Aragorn is allowed to speak on even terms with the king, but many of the dwarf clan leaders do not want to offer Aragorn safe haven. The king describes the history of the dwarfs and how they came to the mountain. Aragorn requests sanctuary in the mountain, but reveals that he wishes to fight the empire. The king then asks Saphira what she wants to do, and she replies angrily that she wants to fight and drink her enemy's blood, those that hold her brethren still in the eggs. When he suggests that Aragorn would be a better king, Aragorn responds that he has no wish to be a king and that no king should live forever like Galvatorix. Rothgar announces that Aragorn must prove himself to the dwarves and that he hopes that his nephew, who is revealed to be Auric, will serve Aragorn well, Aragorn observes that after leaving, the kings seem displeased with Saphira, which she jokes that he is no bigger than her knee. Oric finds them and tells and tells him that many mothers are now seeking him out for blessings on their own children, and he sends them to the library to hide. In the library, the twins appear searching for Aragorn so as to apologize, but they do so mockingly, and Saphira warns him to be careful of them. Keeping his anger in check, good job, Aragon. Uh, he rejects their offer and teaches offer to teach him more magic. They then threaten him and demand that he accept their offer. He puts off his answer for another day, um, knowing that they're going to test him in magic. He then enters the dragon hole to see a woman there who is revealed to be Nasuada, Ajahad's daughter, who warns him about blessing the child and asks about his testing, which will be the next day. She also tells him that she he should visit Murtag, who is lonely in his cell. So this was a pretty stressful episode for me personally, or 
chapter for me because I was just waiting for Aragon to mess everything up, which in a way he kind of does, but not in a way that's too terrible, in my opinion. Um, because first we have this meeting with the king, which is, you know, stressful, very, very uh, easy to make mistakes here. And then, of course, then we have this incident i'll call it with the twins where they basically sneak up on him and he's like at the ready like if they hadn't been more careful he probably would have killed them just on his like reflexive like i've been in high adrenaline situations for months now like probably not the best person to sneak up on but regardless so i had a lot of thoughts a lot of things happen but it was really interesting that Safira encourages Aragon to carry the sword. What do you think that says, Austin? I think she wants him to appear like he is confident in who he is and his identity. Um, and that he's not some young kid who's easily manipulated. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I also think she really doesn't care that much about what other people think about her and Aragon. Um so I think that's part of it, too. But I thought that was interesting. And then we kind of get that comparison or contrast with Oric in the very next breath saying, oh, well, Hrothgar's easy to anger. He's quick to anger. So be careful what you say. And I'm just kind of like, well, is he going to comment on the sword? And then he does comment on it. Um, so I just felt like all of that was kind of tied together. But we also learned that, but we also learned that that um Rothgar tells Aragon that his enemies basically demanded actually a lot of people demanded that Aragon doesn't be let in and that he would be denied entrance and obviously he got let in anyway so there's that but we also just get so much dwarf lore in this chapter like more than we've gotten thus far I think and I think the first thing that really 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 stood out to me is that Rothgar is the 142nd king of the dwarves and that they've been around for eight millennia. A millennia is a thousand years. So if we just do some math here and divide 8,000, which we know that it's been over that amount, so a little bit on the, the larger side, if we do 8,000 divided by 142, that, mean, that means the average length of the kings or rulers of the Dwarven Empire, the average reign is almost 60 years. Wow. That's really long. I mean, Queen Elizabeth II, she reigned for, let's see. At least, because she just did her 75th she, Jubilee. Yeah, no, she she reigned for 70 years, which is the uh, longest reigning queen for sure. Longest reigning British monarch. But the longest reign in history is actually French King Louis, the... 14th with 72 years so we're talking about 10 years shy for their average monarch which is really significant to me yes um yeah definitely a hundred percent it's really because dwarfs live a long time and i think this is kind of 
I think this is where a little bit that Paolini kind of splits with Tolkien's lore and other dwarfs lore because I believe that the dwarfs live longer than like the humans in Tolkien's world but they're not like the elves who live forever but these dwarfs right these dwarfs live long time and not only that but like they are older than both the elves and the dragons and we learn that in this chapter Yes, they are the indigenous species to Allegatia. Right, and we've said that on the show before, but um, it just was an interesting conversation to learn that because it definitely puts everything in perspective. Like, Hrothgar reigned when the riders were still at their peak. Like, he, he remembers these things. And so that definitely colors his reaction to and against Aragorn and Saphira. And so I think that that puts his questions into a little bit more perspective of asking Aragon and Saphira, like, what is your purpose here? And so I wanted, I wanted to read their answers because I thought that they just really summed up their characters. So Aragon, when he's asked, you know, what are you doing here? Basically, he says, if Ajihad told you of my past, you should know that I have grievances enough to fight the empire until it is nothing but scattered ashes. More than that, though, I want to aid those who cannot escape Galbatorix, including my cousin. I have the strength to help, so I must. So to me, I'm like, okay, Aragon is clearly a caring individual. He cares about other people. He cares about the less fortunate, which we've already established on this show. But I think it's an interesting and important character dynamic to bring up. But also at the same time, he is intent on getting rid of the Empire. And then Safira, on the other hand, she, and these are all quoted on page 490 in my book, but um, Safira tells Aragon to tell Rothgar, and she says something a little bit more violent than Aragon. She says, tell him that I thirst for the blood of our enemies and eagerly await the day when we ride to battle against Galbatorix. I have no love or mercy for traitors and egg breakers like that false king. He held me for over a century and even now still has two of my brethren, whom I would free if possible. And tell Hrothgar that I think you are ready for this task. So to me, I think we knew or you have maybe said that Galbatorix destroyed dragon eggs, but I don't know if we had textual evidence of it until now. Yes, that is the general um, consensus. And we're never flat out told that he does it himself or orders it. Um, the com the term ed- egg breaker is a dragon term for traitor. Um, okay. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that they were egg breakers, but it is pop, but it, the- it is implied that the result of this war led to the destruction of the dragon eggs. So whether the Forsworn intended that or Galvatorix intended that, I don't know. Gotcha. I just thought it was interesting to bring up either way. But, you know, they continue having conversations. Um, 
Rothgar basically like asks Aragon, like, okay, well, you want to destroy the empire. What are you going to put in its place? Do you want to be the new king? And Aragon's like, no, I'd really rather not. I'll do it if I have to, but I don't want to. Um, and he likes that answer apparently because it's bad for for uh, people who don't age to rule is the quote, which I find ironic since dwarves live so long. I mean, they do die, but I just thought that was a little bit interesting. And then we learn that Auric is Rothgar's nephew, which I I think is the first mention we get of it. We don't know that they're related, but we know that they're from the same clan. So it's like, okay, this is expected. Um, and then the kind of last thing that happens with the king that I wanted to touch on is... Basically, Rothgar tells him, like, if you want the support of the dwarves, you're going to have to prove yourself. Like, you can you can say pretty words, you can have great things to say, but all of that is meaningless if you don't back it up with your actions. Right. And that's a fair point from him. Um, yeah, I think that... I think that Aragorn's answers to Rothgar and Saphir's answers shows a sense of like maturity in Aragorn. Anyway, I was saying a sense of maturity in Aragorn that he knows that like I don't like the king's rule, but I'm not the one to take that place. Like he knows that mm -hmm. I think and it shows a wisdom that he is not he doesn't want leadership. He doesn't want power. He just wants justice and what and a right for the wrongs that have been done to him and the people of the empire. And I think that in a lot of ways, whether he could articulate it or not, is Aragon acknowledging that he can become just as evil as a tyrant as Galvatorx could. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah. Um, I did want to talk about Rothgar's name because it is a literary illusion um I don't know if you remember this but Rothgar is the king from Beowulf do I remember that no I don't uh so but this is kind of like this just comes from cliff notes and the little character analysis of Rothgar and so he's the king of the Danes and is described as a wise and great man but has lost some of his strength with age. And so like Hrothgar is the one who offers sanctuary to Beowulf, who kind of sends him on his task of defeating Grendel and doing all of that. But it's kind of that interesting thing that Halini would pick this name for this dwarf king who's ruled for a long time and is powerful and mighty and wise but I don't think we really get the notion that Hrothgar has like lost his strength. In this, you mean? Yeah, just in this chapter. I don't know about that. I really don't because ever since we've, we've come to the Varden, ever since we've come here, we have gotten so many discussions about Hrothgar and like the, the things we've gotten are like, oh, well, he has a lot of enemies or he has a lot of people to appease. And like the first thing he says to Aragon is like, you know, my enemies wanted me to deny you quarter here. And so I had to appease them. And so I feel like he has a lot of enemies. So I'm not sure I agree with that statement. Right. Um, 
that's a fair point and i kind of agree with that i just thought it was it would be interesting to bring up just because it's such a like famous and well-known illusion even if we don't always remember that but like Mm -hmm. that's an intent like you don't pick a name like that as a writer you don't pick a name like that when it comes from like an old english classic like beowulf yeah that's fair but let's move on a little bit to the second half of this chapter which is equally as interesting with the twins and their little altercation but before we do that safira leaves to go back to the dragon hole because she quote wants to meet a friend uh she doesn't tell us who she just walks away but with Aragon in the library, that's kind of how he wants to spend his days. And he he's like, oh, my God, it's been so long since I've read. Like, I forgot, you know, it's it's a lot harder to read now that I haven't been for a while. And so we get that. And he's just having a great time. That sounds like a perfect day to me. But then he kind of just feels something amiss, like the the hairs on the back of his neck stand up kind of situation. And he's like ready to fight. And the twins ambush him and they're basically like, hey, do you want to join our group? And they're very creepy about it. And they pay a lot of backhanded compliments to Aragon and like try to put him down and insult him in ways that on the surface look fine and dandy, but really they're not. And um, we learn that the name of this magic group is called Du Vrangergata. And so basically the thing that gets Aragon to snap at them is their offer to assist him in tutoring. And he's like, you can't teach me anything. Brom didn't already teach me. How dare you? And I'm just like, this is what got you to break? Really? Okay. You've been doing so good up to now, but I guess we all have our limits. Um, And then he's like, I'm just going to go see what Angela has to say about this, basically. And he can't find her. Um, and then he goes back to the dragon hold where he realizes that the person Safira wanted to meet was Solomon. Yeah. Um, which like, of course, like dragons, weird cats, I just feel like, I don't know why, but the friendship between them makes sense. Both sassy, both witty, both think everyone is beneath them. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, very much so very much agreed. But the twins, I want to talk about their little group. Uh, remember their name because it's going to come up later and it'll be a really funny uh, moment near the end of Eldest uh, with their name. And you're going to laugh a lot about it. But I just want you to remember their name. Um, and then just kind of like talking about the twins and their group. I think it's interesting that like when Aragon finally, like the thing that like makes him realize like what they're actually after is that he they start to tell him the name and they're like it means and then Aragon's like the wandering path I know what it means and they're they give the backhanded compliment of like oh your knowledge of the ancient language is nice like we could probably learn a lot from each other and Aragon's like oh you want the words Brom taught me. You want the power. You want the power so you can lord it over other people. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was like, I remember reading this for the first time and going like, oh, Brom would be so proud of this little realization and like getting the intentions and reading the situation correctly. 
True. True. That's a really good point. But yeah, but I think that like, and this kind of asserts like Aragon's early assessment to Ajahad that the twins actually wouldn't pose that much of a threat to him if they're like scrounging around him to try to com like complete their power or whatever that with the strength of Sephira aiding him, he might not know as much about magic or been practicing magic along, but his raw power alone would probably overwhelm them. Yeah. I agree. I, I think that they're no match for Aragon. He'd easy, easily be able to take them, especially with Sephira. But anyway, the last thing I really have to talk about, the last two things I have to talk about with this chapter is, of course, we meet a new character. Um, and it's funny that this character is Ajihad's daughter. It, well, it's not funny that she's his daughter. What's funny is Aragon's reflection on it because he's basically like, oh, Ajihad got somebody to sleep with him. <laughs> Like, what is wrong with you? Because he basically has this thought like, oh, that must be an interesting woman or her mother must be interesting, something to that effect. And I was like, Aragon, what is wrong with you? Let me name the ways. Yeah, okay. The exact quote is, the Varden's leader had not struck Aragon as one inclined to ma marriage and fatherhood. He wondered who Nasuada's mother was. She must have been an uncommon woman to have attracted Ajihad's eye. Sir, that is rude. That is disrespectful. Anyway... And then the last thing that I wanted to say is that the very last two words of this chapter are Brahms ring. So I just feel like Brahms ring keeps playing a role, keeps coming back up. It's going to have something. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Never know. You just kind of keep reading. It is important. I'm just going to tell you right now. It is important, but you're going to know it's important. You're going to be waiting for the payoff. That's fine. Uh, but also what I want to talk about is we didn't talk about is Murtag. This is really kind of like oh, yeah. the first like mention of Murtag. And the way Nasuada like paints it is like, oh, he's just sitting in a dark, damp room by himself all lonely. Poor guy. Yeah. And I feel bad for him. Like it's Aragon's fault that he's even here. He didn't want to be in this situation in the first place. When Aragon goes to him, he's going to be pissy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll just keep reading and find out. Um, so what is uh, your predictions? So I have two. Um, first of all, I think that Aragon is going to fight with somebody before this is over. Like, it's just going to happen. Um, but then my second one is that I feel like Roran has been mentioned a few times. And I feel like Aragon's next goal is to be getting him going back to Roran, getting him out of wherever he may be and kind of like getting him into a safe place. Yeah, maybe we'll have to find out and keep reading. Keep reading. How, uh, on a scale of one to 10, how was it to not keep reading? Was it pretty medium? No, it wasn't hard at all. Uh, okay. All right. Well, that's all we got. Thank you all for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast. We'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to the Inheritance Cycle page by page podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Inheritance Page or email us at inheritancepage at gmail.com. Make sure you join us on Discord in the Cups Podcasting and more. All links are in the episode description. May good fortune rule over you. May the stars watch over you and may peace live in your heart.